0: Hello and welcome back to The Wounded Healer, where we make the human experience more enjoyable. I'm your host, Keith, and on today's episode, we are going to talk about fear. Uh, why have I chosen fear as today's topic? Well, it was inspired by some conversations that I've had in the past week or so. Uh, kind of made me think of my own fears and just fear in general, Uh, you know, during these conversations, I was noticing most of what we were talking about had some type of fear attached to it, you know, whether it was fear of being judged, fear of abandonment, fear of failure, fear of not being good enough, uh, fear of commitment, fear of themselves, uh, and so on, Um, and it kind of, made me think that most of us are fear forward or we have a fear forward thought process um and that meaning most of us let fear control our actions and our reactions uh and you know i know some of the conversations i know some of the conversations started because of certain topics or because of the individuals involved um i don't remember exactly how they all started out or how they all went. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail because I respect those folks a lot. Um, but I also realized that this is exactly how I want this podcast to go. Uh, and it's taking real life situations and try to explain them in a relatable way so we can get better uh, and and learn and grow from these interactions. And um, so I, you know, I did my best to listen and offer advice and so forth to these individuals. But the other thing that I noticed uh, was that the desire to have those fears was greater than the desire to overcome it. Um, And although I don't, I do not have, you know, evidence of this um i think it is safe to say that based off of history and rapport um and you know i say this because it it can be used that that fear that they possess that they have can be used as an excuse um or, to, or a shield or a barrier Uh and that plays right into evolution right um you know each individual can can use it for self-preservation. Um, and we are somewhat programmed to do this. So it's not our fault that we do this. And it's not a problem. It's not a illness. <laughs> There's no vaccine for it. Uh, it's just how we're programmed. Um, but we're going to talk about those areas within us that cause this and how... We can kind of override those thoughts and feelings <clears throat> uh, so, what is fear? right? If you look at the definition of fear, it's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief or an anticipation that someone something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. That's what a basic definition is. Uh, Now, there are different types of fears, but that does not mean that your fear is lower on the totem pole than someone else's fears. Fear is fear. And each individual person, you know, will experience it. They will experience it differently. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That does not mean you have anything else going on other than it's just how you are experiencing this fear based off of some programs that you are running within your brain and nervous system. Um, where it comes from, and we were talking about those the programs and where it's that within us. So fear and excitement are the exact same thing. I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but they are the exact same thing. Uh, so that fear or excitement response kind of begins, well, it does begin in the amygdala. And we've talked about the amygdala on here before, um, but that's the part of the brain that processes many of our emotions. Um, the difference between fear and excitement is how you think about it. And I'm going to try to keep it simple here and not nerd out on the brain, but, uh, the amygdala perceives a threat and will send that information. It has on that particular threat up to the medial prefrontal cortex area, which is the newer brain that we have. And it's the front part, like right in your forehead area. If you were to put your hand on your forehead and, you know, go back just a little bit, maybe where my receding hairline is, (laughs) uh, You'll have your hand right above that uh, prefrontal cortex area that's responsible for executive functioning, decision-making, impulse, things like that. So the amygdala will send that information up to that area where it will be stored for similar future situations, um, a.k.a. Memory consolidation, so this plays a significant role in emotive memories, which are arousing or able to arouse intense feelings. Basically, the the worst and the best get to stay and have an emotional attachment and not be forgotten. So, in other words, you see something, you perceive it as a threat, the amygdala fires, it sends up through neurons to that prefrontal cortex the prefrontal cortex has the ability to put the brakes on and say hold on we do not need to go into fight back off a little bit and your systems start to wind down and you either go to freeze or flight which means you stick around because it's no longer a threat and just going about your business or you walk away because it's not something you want to take part in. Um, <clears throat> now what's so important about that area and what's happening and why it's so hard for us to overcome some of these fears and is because it, the amygdala is designed to keep you alive, right? So if you perceive something as bad or as a fear, the amygdala is going to hold on to that. And anytime you're in a situation that is similar to what you perceive as fearful or a threat, that amygdala is going to fire. And it's going to ramp up those systems. And your heart's going to pound. You're going to sweat. You're going to feel that aggression build up. Because again, the amygdala is responsible for regulating aggression. Um, And you're going to get worked up. But if you can remember that those are the exact same things that are happening when you're excited... Things can kind of go differently for you, um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. <clears throat> and there's going to be there's going to be more information uh, in the, in the descriptions of where you can find some more information on the amygdala, the prefrontal cortex, your flight, fight, or free systems. Uh, <clears throat> and again, you know, it's something we've talked about before. So if you've been listening, you know, you've heard me talk about it. So you probably are somewhat knowledgeable about that area. Um, So what are some types of fears? Well, you know, there are, you can be conditioned to be fearful, you know, uh, and there was a horrible experiment done on a child uh, back in the, I believe it was the 20s. The child's name was Albert. So it was called the little Albert experiment where they conditioned this child to be scared of a, white, fluffy object. It started with a lab rat first, and then kind of progressed to bunnies and stuffed animals, and then it was just anything that was white and uh, furry. Um, And this, if you look into that further, uh, this child, this toddler, was pretty messed up because of that. And there were some things therapy-wise, that they had to do to kind of help him overcome this stuff. So that is a Pavlonian theory. You know, Pavlo was the one who kind of coined the conditioning. He had the dogs, he conditioned them to salivate at the sound of a bell. And they used this same concept to condition little Albert to be scared to death of a white furry animal. There are phobias. Phobias are a part of... Are considered in the DSM. To be a part of the anxiety. Uh, disorder. Uh, you know. So. Are in that kind of category. There's phobias of crowds. Phobias of spiders. Phobias of water. And there's phobias. Phobias. They're everywhere right. Um, they are learned fears. That are environmental. That are kind of. Passed down. And there's. Uh, research done that uh, fears can be genetically passed down. Uh, there are the things that we have within us that evolution has passed down. Um, and then most recently, they've done uh, studies and uh, research, and they've found that we have two innate fears that everyone possesses. And that is the fear of falling And the fear of loud noises. And again, these experiments were done on toddlers uh, and animals. They basically had a platform with a solid bottom uh, that led into a plexiglass platform with a false bottom. And the the children and animals would not cross over to the plexiglass. They kind of did everything... They could to get around, uh, and that's kind of where we came up with this innate fear of falling that we possess, uh, and then the loud noise. So we have this acoustic um, startle reflex within us, and that is connected to some other areas of the brain. Again, we're not going to go into you know detail on all of this stuff, but <clears throat> it is designed you hear something, you focus towards that to make sure it's not dangerous <clears throat> uh, so you know we have an idea of what fears are out there we have an idea of where they come from how it what our bodies are doing when it's happening um And, you know, I know earlier I I used an example of some of the folks that I was talking to, some of the conversations I was having. And I think to keep this thing real um, and to keep it on track with what I'm trying to accomplish here, you know, I'm no different. Um, And I have fears just like everybody else. And I'll be (laughs) probably the most honest I've been in a long time. I believe that I have more fears than all of those folks combined. Um, just like I stated in the uh, the anxiety episode, uh, it, it's something that I struggle with. Um, and yeah, fear. I I'm just as scared as as anybody else. Um, and one of my biggest fears is that I've waited too long in life to start figuring it out. Uh, you know, I, I've waited. Too long to, to start living a straight and just genuine, good, purposeful life, I guess. Uh, so the, the fear is that I will run out of time or run out of the time needed to replace the old with the new, if that makes sense. <clears throat> I guess you could say it's also a fear of, of being judged or judgment. Um it's a fear of just myself um, because right we know ourselves better than anybody. Um, so you know, have I learned what I think I've learned and will I continue to apply it? You know, I guess you know, will I regress? Um, and if I was to just sit around and only think of the years I did not have it, had that desire to start trying to figure it out, I would stay in a constant just depression. Um, Because it was a time of just suffering for me and the people around me were suffering. Um, I, You know, not only was I doing damage to myself, uh, I was damaging those around me. I was hurting people. I was distracting myself. I was doing everything I possibly could to not face my fears or not face anything, I guess, you know, uh, so that fear of the unknown at the time was just an antagonist to my moving forward. And it, it was not a time of growth. It was a time of helplessness and a, a, just a blame game. Um, and as I kind of started to thaw or take ownership of everything in my past and present and future, from that, I'm gonna you know use an analogy here, but, I, but for that victim ice age, uh, it was, I consider it my personal younger dryas, <laughs> you know, and I use ice age because it was a slow transition back to greener pastures. Um, and this is not bragging purposes, but I do want everyone to know that it it wasn't a, a time in my life where I, you know, resorted to drugs or alcohol or anything like that. It was just me being down, feeling sorry for myself and not knowing how to come out of it, not knowing what to do, being scared to ask for help, being scared to talk to people, uh, being ashamed, being all of that stuff. So, you know, I understand that we all cope with things differently. I understand that, you know, some of us have more resources than others. Um, And this is not me trying to brag or to put down what you may be going through or how you're dealing with something. It's just letting you know, because I want this to be transparent and I want honesty that I did not do those things. Um, And if it's, and if these are your coping mechanisms, then just be aware of it and start there and try to move forward there Uh, because then everything else will become a byproduct of you moving forward and I use that term byproduct because a byproduct I would say the when I started to take ownership um, of all of what was happening a byproduct of that was the new replacing the old. Um, And yeah, I did not do it all on my own. Um, You know, I did have inspiration and, you know, I wanted to continue to learn. Uh, So yeah, you know, just, I would, I read more. I tried to educate myself more. uh, I started moving forward. I took ownership. I stopped blaming. And slowly but surely, I started coming out of this thing. Uh, Abraham Maslow was someone that I read a lot about. And I respected him. And the fact that you know he was in his 60s when he did his best work. Which gave me hope that I still have time. Um, I enjoy reading anything from the great Stoics you know, of the Rome and Greek world, you know, when they too were late in life, when their best works were published, uh, again, just a little bit of hope, um, and then I think most important, uh, my father, who, you know, every day he reminds me that you can survive a past and have a future, and, uh, yeah he's uh he's a great man and if if he ever listens to this I hope that he knows he has been a big inspiration to me uh phew, shit sorry um <clears throat> yeah you know i I spent many years being afraid that I would turn out that way, only to realize as I got older that that's exactly how I want to be and have that mindset and that their ability to go through what he's gone through and still just be happy and enjoy life and yeah so if you ever listen to this i love you dad and thank you Uh, i'm not sure how much of that will be edited out (laughs) but uh i'm going to activate my flight system and we're going to walk away from that one because it is way too goddamn early in the morning to be that emotional. Uh, so, some tips on how we can deal with uh, fear. Now, it's <clears throat> man. So, some tips that we can that we can use to to deal with. These this arousal arousal that comes with fear. Uh, and this is, again, scientifically proven. This is just how our, our brains and nervous system are wired. But um, when you start to have that those feelings of arousal, the heart pounding, the sweating, the aggression, the nervousness, the anxiety. Um, you need to take time. You have to take some time. You have to just stop and you can count backwards, forwards, but you have to give yourself some time. So it can be five, four, three, two, one, one, two, three, four, five. By stopping and counting that awakens that prefrontal cortex. So the amygdala is firing you stop, you count, that awakens that higher functioning brain, that prefrontal cortex. And at now, you add a positive anchor thought. Um, it has to be something that is real, and you can see yourself doing it after the event. So it has to be contextual to what's happening. And this will allow you to maintain maintain control. Um, So when you start to feel aroused, you take time. You think about that anchoring thought. Which then reframes how your brain thinks about the situation. And now, you've kind of tricked your brain from fear to excitement. Uh, And how this works is if you can have that vision or you can plant that vision in there, your brain can see it and your brain will assume that that's what's happening. So you basically can trick your own brain. Um, This isn't a gimmick. This isn't a fake it till you make it thing. You know I do not like that. This is real. (laughs) This is how our brains function. It's um, so our nervous system functions. There are tons of videos out there uh, that involve a system like this. But it's fairly simple to use. However, you have to do it. You have to push forward. You have to take the risk. And you have to put yourself out there in order for that to work. You cannot just sit around the house and think of something and expect it to turn out differently or to not be scared anymore. It's not going to work that way. So an example would be, let's say uh, you you need to have a conversation with somebody and it could be anything or with anyone. Uh, let's say you, you need to have a conversation with somebody about a project that needs to be done. And you know that this person is difficult. You know that this person doesn't have the same ideas you have. You know that this person just is going to butt heads with you and push back. So you would be anxious. You're a little, you know, feared, fearful of approaching this person. Um, so what you can do is you stop. Give yourself some time to engage that prefrontal cortex. Think Or envision something after the conversation. So it could be I'm getting ready to go have this conversation. I'm starting to feel worked up. I stop. Give myself my prefrontal cortex. Time to think. And I think of the two of us. Maybe out sharing drinks after this conversation. Having fun. I think of a friendship that comes out of this meeting, this conversation, this project. And I see us texting each other. Um, I see us talking on the phone. Um, I see us doing something together. That's fun, positive. Um, so you have that anchoring thought of something positive and exciting that can happen after. So now when you go and, When you go into this, as you're getting there and you start to feel worked up and nervous, you stop, you think about that, you tell yourself, you're excited for what's going to happen after, you're excited for this relationship, you're excited for this project, you're excited to meet and talk to this person, you're excited for what's to come, and now you have reframed the way your brain sees the situation. So you no longer see it as a negative or a fearful situation, but an exciting time and an exciting situation to come. Um, And that is reframing. So you start to feel worked up. You start to feel scared. Stop. Give yourself some time. Add that anchoring thought. Go into it. When you start to feel a certain way, you go back to thinking about that anchoring thought. Which brings on that excitement. Your brain, you've just tricked it. It now believes that this is an exciting time. And your fear response kind of goes down. And if this works, it will work every single time. But remember, the key is... You actually have to do it. You actually have to push forward through it. You have to face it and you have to risk it and and go forth with it. Some other things you can do or, uh, you know, just being self-aware of things. Uh, You know, you can, so there's that exposure therapy, putting the work in to overcome it. Just constantly, again, putting yourself out there being exposed to these things, getting better at reframing it. Uh, there's introspection where you can kind of look within to yourself and why you may be fearful, what's going on, uh, that, that ownership, what am I doing to cause this, what have I done, what do I want to do, what am I willing to do, what can I do. Uh, there's you know, talking to others about your fears. And with that, you have to kind of overcome that self-pride, which that's a whole nother show. Self-pride can can be the downfall of, of most people uh, and is the downfall of most people. It's, it's, you know, that foolish pride. Uh, so, uh, yeah, hopefully we learned a little bit about fear and what we can do to somewhat overcome it. To you just continue to move forward. <clears throat> um, and yeah, you know, I still have fear inside me, but I know that I can change how I think about it and I can see the the new as an opportunity to use what I've learned and apply it. And I know that the old has become just experience or wisdom uh, and it's a part of who I am. Uh, much like a a knot in a tree, you know the if you look at trees and the, the, there's there's a knot uh, at one point in time something had changed in that tree, and the tree kind of just grows around it, so they 're still beautiful, they still bear leaves and fruit, even with the knots so thank you for listening. I'll leave the descriptions in in the to some of those other resources, and I'll leave the resources in the descriptions. But uh, see you in the next one.